Hello and welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. Revenue Rocket is the world's premier growth strategy and M&A advisor to tech-enabled services companies. With me today are my partners, Matt Lockhart and Ryan Burnett. Welcome, guys. Good to be with you, Mike. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? Hey, good morning, guys. And uh, thanks for hosting another good podcast. We've got an interesting topic here today in looking at advisors in M&A who are specific to an industry and the value that an industry-specific advisor might be able to bring and some uh, some benefits there and uh, some opportunities for companies if you're considering uh, bringing your uh, company to market or to uh, to do some buy-side work. So I'd love to hear, Matt and Mike, you know, why do you think that it's important to have that industry-specific advisor? For us, it's tech-enabled businesses, and more even specifically, we're looking at companies like managed service providers, cybersecurity providers, application integrators, custom app developers, and the likes of technology-related businesses. Let's back up a little bit. And, Mike, I'd love to hear you. You know, Why did Revenue Rocket pick tech-enabled services as, as a vertical market? Tell me a little bit more about the story and why, why it matters. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, the reason, a uh, little bit of history, is I had started and grew and sold three tech-enabled services companies prior to starting Revenue Rocket. I used a lot of M&A advisors along the way. As a matter of fact, in the last company I owned, we bought seven companies uh, prior to my exit. And what I learned in hiring those advisors was that there really needed to be an advisor that was aligned to kind of IT services, tech-enabled services, to really get the nuance of how to advise us in the transaction. Uh, and this impacted things like valuation, um, integration planning, just how to further monetize a deal, look at the strategic fit and provide critique in a meaningful way, and then also, you know, just know the lay of the land because in tech services, it can get pretty complex. And the nuance of the specific companies we bought was very complex to, in my case, you know, ERP implementations and, you know, strategic advisory for financial services firms and a variety of things. And and uh, most of the advisors we used just didn't have that deep expertise. So I, after I sold the firm, I said, you know, this is an opportunity. This is sort of a real opportunity to create an advisory firm uh, around M&A and growth strategy that, that gets it from an operator's perspective, not simply from a banker's perspective, but from an operator's perspective, so that we could bring that, um, you know, strategic sort of thinking around kind of what does one plus one equal three really look like and, you know, understand the myriad of three-letter acronyms that uh, are thrown around our industry uh, and to be able to, you know, provide a kind of a step up and level uh, of advisory counsel to my clients that, that would really make a difference. I think it's a great foundation for the business to, to you were in it, you were able to operate in a very specific market. Uh, you saw the needs of that specific market and, and could execute in it. I think there's a lot of value in understanding uh, even simply the, the jargon that's used. Uh, to your point, we're filled with three-letter acronyms, and it's oftentimes difficult to to jump in and learn uh, the difference between an MSP or a CSP and or just the nuances that come um, with uh, some of these markets. 
Um, Matt, maybe I'd love to get your opinion here on, is there something uh, specific for an industry, like an industry-specific advisor? What are they doing to help kind of find better strategic fit? Is there um, is there something specific about uh, a a person or a firm that's dealing with uh, with our industry that a generalist may not find or may not understand or may not connect the dots? Yeah, uh, great question, Ryan, and and sort of building upon you know Mike's foundation for starting Revenue Rocket, because I think that uh, the context of an industry specific in is is also, at least in our experience, um, built from living in the shoes, operating these businesses. <laughs> and and we we live it, right? We've lived it. And and I you know, before kind of getting back to your question in terms of how to how does this enable finding these fits? Um, I think it's important to also say that, at least in our case, and I, I know in other industry-specific advisors, we we really like these businesses. We 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 enjoy this space. We we live this space because we we love it, and and so um, having the opportunity to continue to apply all of our experience is something that you know we get up and we're fired up to do every single day and and provide that guidance to our our clients and and because we've lived it for oh uh it's hard to say you know like decades <laughs> um and decades um you you just sort of get it right you understand um, the personality of the businesses, the, the value adds of the businesses, understanding how, um, uh, a, a particular business can, can fill gaps for a strategic buyer. And it really, you know, we talk about it all the time, but I, I don't want to make light of it. The opportunity where one plus one can equal four, five, or six in a combined entity is really about finding the very best strategic, you know, fit and the strategic value. And, and if, a, if an advisor doesn't quote unquote get it, they don't understand, um, some of the nuances, some of the growth opportunity that can be applied by matching the right firms in strategic value. Um, well, then, you know, they're going to miss opportunities, you know, and it's also, I mean, think of, put, put, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a seller and Mike sort of talked about this experience where the seller needs to be constantly educating an advisor in, in language, in differentiated value, in, um, opportunities to, to go faster than competition, opportunities to be a leader in a space. Well, you know, I mean, shoot, you know, that's, uh, that's really hard for a seller. And it, quite honestly, it takes years, if not decades, to really get it and to really understand it. Now, I'm not saying that a, a, an advisor has to be an operator in the past or having that experience. 
you know, there's many in, investment bankers and or advisors who've spent their life in this space and they, you know, they're credible and they, and they get it or in, in other industry, you know, specific cases, you know, we do tend to believe and we get this feedback from our clients on a regular basis that our past operating background does make a difference, right? Um, and then, you know, maybe, you know, to, to sort of also build upon it and, you know, listeners of the podcast know we, we, we talk about cultural fit. We talk about strategic fit. We talk about financial fit. Um, having lived in this space and in Mike's case, having been advising in this space for decades, um, you also sort of understand the cultural fits naturally. Um, and, uh, and I think that the industry, uh, specific lens gives us a, a, a leg up on the cultural fit as well. Yeah, you covered a great, great swath there. You're, you're absolutely right. The fit has to be, uh, in line with the nuances of the market. And without, uh, to your point, could be decades of experience. It's hard for someone new to come in and, and really understand that. Um, if I, if I flip this around a little bit, is there, you know, why would someone use a generalist? Is there, a, is there something that a generalist could bring to the table, uh, that, uh, helps, uh, maybe increase reach or increase, uh, maybe it's price efficiency? Um, either Matt or Mike, is there, uh, what, what can a generalist bring that, that, uh, perhaps changes our view of the, the industry specific, uh, advisor or, or where does a, where does a generalist work, uh, work really well? Yeah, I can weigh in on that. You know, I think that there's a great, uh, number of, um, of generalists out there that do a very credible job for their clients. Um, and where that's the best fit, uh, certainly is with high asset based businesses. So, when you think about um, the number of transactions that occur in sort of quick serve restaurants or convenience stores or, um, you know, even some manufacturing businesses that have high asset counts that are very similar to one another, and there's just lots of them, um, a, a, a generalist can do a very credible job because the, the sea of comps for like firms is readily available. Um, it generally doesn't require as rigorous a process in order to facilitate a deal, whether they're being represented on the buy side or the sell side. Um, and, um, you know, uh, the path is pretty proven, right? Uh, so I think that there's some very, um, that's a great situation where uh, a generalist can do a credible job. I think um, and there's some pricing efficiency. If you look at how, you know, generalist firms price, oftentimes their their um, their structures are a little more aggressive than you know vertically aligned specialists. Uh, it's it's no different. I, I oftentimes use the analogy, right? It's it's no different than other areas of professional services. If you go uh, to an accountant or a lawyer or a or, you know, pick a, even a, you know, in the medical business, if you're a generalist, um, say, uh, you know, you're a single shingle lawyer guy in a small town in America, or you're an accountant who works with, 
you know, the local small businesses, um, your, your rates are certainly going to be lower than some of that's highly specialized tax expert in, you know, international tax matters for, um, you know, hedge funds or some such thing, right? Um, or likewise, you're going to have a similar scenario with medical specialties, right? If you're a, a neurosurgeon who works on a very specific type of neurological challenge, that's going to be a different sort of expectation around billing than maybe a general practitioner. And you service different audiences. So I think as you think about all of that, you know, the specialization required to be vertically aligned and the value that's brought to the conversation is one that certainly typically comes at a bit of a price premium. Um, but that's not always what's required. Uh, and if I can use an analogy again, if you have to have a laceration stitched on your head, um, it's probably overkill to have a neurosurgeon doing that work. Right? <laughs> Likewise, you know, same thing with tax, right? If you run a small business in a small town in America, you don't need a, you know, international tax expert for hedge funds. Uh, to do your tax return. Uh, and so I think, um, it is, um, it would be good to, um, you know, make sure you align sort of your needs with, uh, the particular advisor. I, I, you know, maybe we're biased a little bit, but certainly in tech enabled services, the complexity and nuance exists, um, enough that, you know, when you begin to look at close rates of firms that are highly specialized, and well put together, those rates uh, tend to be much higher than generalists in the same sector. Uh, and I think that's just, a, again, another indication of the value that um, specific uh, vertically aligned advisors bring to their respective industries uh, versus those that, um, that don't. And, and uh, it is a mistake to try to use someone who I think is um, a generalist uh, versus a specialist in these uh, complex industries, um, if what you're looking for is the optimal outcome, just like it would be in a medical scenario, right? Uh, you wouldn't want to use a general practitioner for your complex neurological problem, as an example. They may be able to try to do it, but I don't know the outcomes would be optimal. It, it's, thank, thanks, Mike. Um, it, it's when a general system play, it, it's a, um, it can be very difficult to understand a market that's outside of what you're really familiar with. And everyone's got their own niche of what they come in with and the, and the years of, and of, of understanding within that niche. And it takes time to, to get educated on the specifics of any deal, um, even in our market to, to understand some of the nuances between, let's say, Microsoft partner or a services now partner are, are miles apart. And understanding the ecosystem there is, is difficult. Uh, so to, for someone to come on from a completely agnostic standpoint to come in, it takes time. Uh, not saying you can't get there, but understanding, um, understanding it can be, can be hard. Um, one of the things that we've seen is a misalignment in understanding financial statements and, and valuation trends when it comes to specific, uh, industry. So, if we're talking to a agnostic uh, broker, um, they may not understand what's important to, um, to look for in a P&L uh, when it comes to, uh, like, it's let's say, a managed service provider. Uh, Matt, I'd love to, to get you perhaps a little bit of your insight on 
I mean, what's the value of a finance team that is specific to tech-enabled services uh, and how that may impact uh, uh, a deal overall? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think not not just the finance team. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the entire team, Ryan, right? I mean, from uh, the, the marketing team to the outreach team to the finance team to the legal team, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's everybody, but, you know, as it pertains to the finance team specifically, I think that, you know, you started to, to raise the points around, you know, how, how, um, how do you portray, for example, the forecasted growth of the business, right? And, and being able to demonstrate through past financials, um, how the forecast is put together and, um, is arguable. It's not just arguable, it's planned, right? Um, and, uh, and, and especially within, Oh, say, a, a pure services business, how the ability to demonstrate the appropriate spend, um, for growth, but also not just, you know, growth on the revenue side, but growth within the business and where in that growing business there is a, an accelerated, um, uh, projection for net income. Um, and so, you know, our teams and an industry-specific advisor team within their finance department really understands that because they're looking at it day in and day out. In addition to that, they're able to identify, um, you know, let's talk about it from a buy side, you know, advisor perspective and being able to very quickly identify outliers um, in the financial statements that, you know, need to be explained, um, that, that are quite honestly just plain wrong and can also have an impact on, you know, on valuation. So, I mean, I think that it, it is a, it is a different business. You, you need to be able to, um, A, understand it to get it right, but then understand it to be able to, uh, paint the picture. Um, as to what the future is going to, is going to hold. Yeah. No, those are all great points. Mike, if you think about the, the valuation part of that question and, uh, negotiating deal specific, well, what are some things that you're seeing within the IT services world that, uh, that the general world may not see, uh, especially when it comes to the, some of those kind of pegging the right number that works to get a deal done? And why, why does it matter to have all these years of experience? Well, I think not only the trends around the valuation, but the structure and things like tax efficiency, which is something actually we're dealing with today on a specific transaction. You know, we oftentimes see a generalist advisors that may be uh, focused on tax, as an example, advising a client on tax efficiency. And you can tell by their advice or their questions that they don't fully understand the business, right? Um, you know, things like what um, portion of purchase price allocation goes to asset versus goodwill. You know, tech-enabled services businesses, the lion's share of all deals are always goodwill because they're asset-light businesses, right? Um, and they're always asset-light businesses. I, 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 ha I guess I haven't even seen in our cloud service provider clients 
asset-heavy businesses. I mean, they typically, vis-a-vis their overall revenue and what they do, tend to be asset-light, which by definition means that they're going to have the lion's share of any purchase price allocation go to goodwill. Um, now, you wouldn't know that if you didn't specifically work in this industry every day, right? You might not know that. So you would give more generic advice about, you know, how to negotiate that allocation um, vis-a-vis businesses that tend to be more asset-heavy, for example. And so I just bring up, and then there's many, many, many points like that as it relates to, you know, bringing industry experience to bear um, as it relates to things like working capital negotiations and tax allocation and, you know, tax efficiency and, um, you know, goodwill rollover on equity and how that works versus purchase. I mean, all those things are relevant examples that have literally presented themselves today. Uh, where being a, you know, industry specialist helps you sort of not only be knowledgeable about these things, uh, but be knowledgeable in the context of experience on transactions that have occurred in a recent timeline. Um, and uh, I think that that brings huge value to the client uh, and huge value to, you know, everyone in the ecosystem who's working on the transaction. Uh, to actually optimize value for the client, but uh, also optimize their their price or their harvest, if you will, from the transaction. Because without that relevant experience, you're just going to miss some of those nuances. Yeah, I think it's such a great point. Uh, it's very easy to just cross wires just a tiny bit, and that can be difficult. Um, Matt, uh, I, I mean, in many businesses that we see out here, it's uh, perhaps not what you know, but who you know. Uh, why does it matter to have uh, – what help does it be industry-specific uh, when it looks at your targets and contacts? Well, relationships are king, right? Um, and uh, when you just uh, – when you're, when you're playing in the circle on a constant basis, you have the opportunity to build those relationships. And – and it's it's not you know it's not just the ability to call somebody and obviously that helps right um but it's truly having that relationship where you've done business before you've worked alongside you know um or you've worked across the table uh with people you've been able to build trust and credibility um and um and you know all of it you know makes a difference in um and so you know from from the very start of of building the you know the ideal prospects that are going to you know that have the you know the best chance for for creating that force multiplying value uh between two firms uh to you know Working through what might cause the most, uh, unnatural act of business, right? In, in, uh, in merging two firms and putting them together. Um, in being able to credibly coach, um, because you've built, you know, a foundation of trust and, and relationship. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's all part and parcel to, uh, facilitating and making it easier and 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 then ultimately maximizing value you know i, I it, 
as you bring that up, I was, I was thinking about, you know, one of our clients who, you know, really gave us a, a nice note, which was, you know, yeah, they, we, we helped them get a great deal done. And it's a, a great opportunity for both firms. And it is one of those strategic, you know, fits that was, those was really great. Um, and, and the, but the, the, the thing that was most meaningful to us was, you know, our client said, um, I was really worried. I was really nervous about this entire process. And, you know, you, you made it about as easy as, as could be you know, for, uh, for our client and for his team. Um, and part of that was, you know, simply because we were able to, you know, build that bridge and we had relationships established with, um, the other party. And, um, so, you know, it's not just about maximizing value. It's about, uh, you know, making life better and making life easier. I would agree. I would also add, if I could just sprinkle in a little bit of uh, thoughts, is, you know, we had an interesting example this week very specifically where, um, you know, the being aligned around being an industry advisor came back to help us um, in our friends of the firm. And um, we had a conversation with a, a firm owner that, I happened to meet by chance on an airplane 17 years ago. Um, he remembered us and remembered that we did this work uh, when we did outreach to him, and that certainly helped us have a very meaningful conversation. Um, I don't know that if we were a generalist um, or not aligned in the same way around our industry that that would have occurred. So, you know, I think – I bring that only up because there's a variety of very talented, vertically aligned M&A advisors in all kinds of industries um, in investment banking. Uh, and I suspect many of them, if not uh, all of them, have similar levels of um, relationships with our industry. And when you do that and when you attend countless conferences, and we've attended over 50 conferences over the last 22 years, um, you know, you're and spoken at many of them that uh, in your evangelizing your message and you're working with clients and, you know, we have many repeat clients that come back and call us years later and do work together again. Um, it makes it much easier to, as Matt likes to say, build the bridge and develop a relationship uh, with friends of the firm. And those friends um, we can deploy in specific situations in those relationships when they present. Um, I think it's much more challenging to do that if you're, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep versus a mile deep and an inch wide. Oh, all, all great points. Um, uh, this is uh, kind of the, the last questions that I had here, but if I was to take a summary on this, it's, Having someone in your market and understanding um, the language and the jargon and the specific needs of the industry uh, helps build a, a pathway to speed, uh, halfway, a pathway to trust, and helps get a deal done uh, much faster. Um, I hear that uh, generalist, uh, just having an advisor is going to be a huge help. 
And uh, sometimes if you're in the, in the right industry, uh, that where the nuance of uh, IT and tech-enabled services are, is less, uh, that could be a, a path that could work. Um, I heard that it's important to understand the valuation trends that are very specific to industries and sub-industries, and having someone that can help negotiate deal and deal structure uh, is critical uh, to get the to get an optimized deal on both the buy side and sell side. And then uh, lastly, I heard that um, having the right contacts and targets, and having a team that can put together the right list of of targets and outreach candidates, and uh, the speed to getting to those candidates of uh, just knowing who may be in or out of market and help accelerate the growth and, and bringing the right people to at the table at the right time. Uh, Matt or Mike, anything you want to add to that list? Well, you're a good listener, Ryan. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, the only thing I'll add is, is maybe we title this uh, podcast Birds of a Feather Fly Together. Right. And and that old axiom certainly applies in uh, to our discussion today. I think great one. Great discussion. Mike. Yep, for sure. Um, we certainly are thankful for all those uh, all our clients and relationships and network over the years and look forward to many more years of being here to add value to the tech enabled services market. Um, and with that. We'll tie a ribbon on it for this week's uh, Shoot the Moon podcast. Um, encourage you to tune in next week when we unpack and explore more relevant topics around M&A and growth strategy for tech-enabled services companies. Um, get out there and make it a great week. Thanks and take care.